What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today we're switching things up just a little bit because I usually have uh, financial influencers or financial uh, coaches come on the channel and talk about their journey or how they got a debt, et cetera, et cetera. But today I actually have somebody with a slightly different perspective, which is um, a life coach. So uh, welcome to the show. What's going on, Diana? Hello there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you all. I am so excited to have you. You are the first life coach that I get to sit down and talk to one-on-one because I've never actually gone to a life coach myself. So I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I got some good questions for you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into um, uh, just a, a quick, obviously, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I've been so excited to just like, be, so far I've been talking to mostly women, but obviously I'm going to open up the show to everybody and and, and anybody who really has a, an inspiring story that relates to money in some way. Um, but I really wanted to make sure to talk to you because I feel like a lot of people aren't necessarily sure about money and where it fits in their larger like life goals and where they are. So I feel mm-hmm. like this is going to be a especially good conversation. Um, but for those of you out there listening who've never heard of Diana Morris, her story or her life coaching business. Um, Diana, go ahead and give them a quick introduction to who you are and what you're all about. Excellent. So, hey, y'all, my name is Diana Morris and I am a life coach, specifically a clarity coach who teaches people how to overcome um, indecision, uncertainty, fear, so that they can start rediscovering what it is they actually want in their life and then take a step further to actually pinpoint how to get it. I know a lot of times I've spoken with people, um, you know, friends, family, myself, and it's always that notion of, I think I know what I want, but I'm not quite sure how to get there, or I have no idea what else I could possibly do. So what, what does the next step look like for me? So it's really helping people get to the core of all the experiences they've had previously to all the things they can imagine for themselves in the future and how to bridge the gap between the two. That's awesome. And I really love the emphasis on um, the words, the word clarity coach instead of just life coach, Um, Mm -hmm. because I think really just goes to to emphasize what it is that you're seeking when you go to a life coach. You are seeking clarity in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, so I love really that's the specificity of the language there because I think that really helps people to know exactly what they're going to get uh, from from meeting with you and working with you and, and getting your services. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I have some fun questions here. So the first one I like to jump into first is, is there a time that you could think of um, where you had an expensive purchase? Maybe it was a thing that you bought or a service that you purchased or an experience, a trip, something that you spent a lot of money on. And to this day, you really, really regret spending money that way. And you wish you could take mm-hmm. it back. Yeah. So I published my first book um, a couple of years ago at this point. And while I was going through the kind of publicity and the marketing phase, mm-hmm. I kind of was reached out to by this individual who said, you know, I've got this platform. What we do is we like host your book on the site and then we kind of serve as kind of a bookseller. And, you know, this is my first book. I don't like publicity. I don't like talking about myself. So I was like, this is great. It's going to be a great opportunity to kind of help me or have someone help me get my book in front of folks. And in the back of my mind, I I kind of sort of knew that it wasn't like, it didn't really make sense. Yeah, because you didn't call him, he called you. Right. (laughs) But I did it anyway. And in the grand scheme of life, it wasn't that much, but it was for me, like the business side of things of like, trust your gut. Like Mm. when you do the research, don't use confirmation bias. Like I saw all the things I needed to see, but because I wanted it to be one thing, I interpreted that, I interpreted it, that way. Um, so I think about it 
you know, ever so often, I'm like, I wonder what they're doing right now with all those copies of the books and all the things. So for me, that's definitely a learning moment of would I do it again? Obviously not, but I'm glad it happened because it, again, kind of affirmed to trust your gut. Like when you ask questions, listen to the answers you get and don't repurpose it and like make it sound good just so that you feel good with the decision you kind of sort of want to do anyway. That Yeah, that's a really good one because it makes me think of a bunch of times in my life, especially with money, where I knew like something in my gut was telling me something ain't right. This is this is something that you either want to slow down, uh, slow your roll, do some research, or just no. It's just a hard no. Yes. And yeah. um, but for some reason, I didn't listen to that gut feeling. Like I posted mm-hmm. a video on my YouTube channel recently where I talked about how I uh, co-signed a loan for somebody, and that was like one of the biggest money mistakes that I ever made. In the moment when I was filling out the application online, I didn't really clearly understand that I was taking on full responsibility for the loan, like like the girl, like her, the girl that I co-signed for. I thought like I was just gonna be like a guarantor tour or something like like it was just like my credit would get her approved but um I didn't realize it was equally 100% responsible if she couldn't pay but even so in that moment when I was filling out my name my birthday I was like social security number why they need my social security number like and I and I was feeling that feeling but instead of saying wait hold on I want to do a little more research about this co-signing loan business before I do this application I was like 22 23 years old Mm -hmm. I had already agreed to like help her she's a family friend and so I just kept doing it press submit And years later, it came back to bite me in the butt. So, um, yeah, I love your point about your gut feeling. Listen to that because for some reason it's telling you, and it doesn't mean you have to say no right in that moment. Maybe just say, I'm not sure. Can we schedule a time to talk about this in a couple of days? That way you buy yourself some time. You know, know, it doesn't have to be a hard no. uh, Because, yeah, I just feel like if somebody's pressuring you anyway to make a decision right right now, that's a red flag, period. Yeah. I love that. I love that story. I love that experience. I'm, wait, now I'm curious. Are we talking about thousands or tens of thousands of dollars that you? That... It was like a couple hundred, few hundred. Oh. But I will also and say, I was like, I'm talking about a lot of yes. money because that would no, be- no. Oh God, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd still be like sitting in a corner, rocking back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like in the beginning of the process, and kind of like when you're also investing your own money because you ain't make money yet. So. But yes, it was luckily a low risk, lower risk, but still. Yeah, that experience one. is what taught that you. Experience. That regret is not, it's the same type of regret. It's just, you know, on, yes. a, on a smaller scale. All right, cool. So yes. what about on the flip side of that? Mm-hmm. Was there a time where you had an experience where you made a big, big purchase and maybe other people in your family or maybe your friends might have judged you like, oh no, that's ridiculous. That's too expensive. But for you, even now to this day, you, you stand by that decision because it was a worthwhile decision uh, for, for you to spend your money that way. Mm-hmm. So along the lines, I have two different answers actually for this. The first one um, that immediately comes to mind is my student loans and going to college and then going to graduate school because that is, you know, I will have that for the rest of my life, it feels like, (laughs) for life. That being said, those experiences and being, you know, in my undergraduate experience for four years, then my grad experience for two years, that's six years of relationships that were built. That's six years of knowledge that was gained. That's six years of a life that was created and set the foundation for where I am right now that would not have happened if I was not at that particular institution at that particular time with those particular people. So it sucks. 
I hate Sally Mae. I hate her homegirl, Navient. I hate them all. But I'm also thankful because it was an exchange and an investment in myself that creates the life I'm able to live now. So that's the first one that immediately comes to mind. And then more recently, um, when I, again, was entering the coaching space, I know how to do what I know how to do. I just don't know the business side of it. So I got a business coach. And I remember like talking to one of my friends and I was like, all right, I need you to help me like figure out if this is the right decision. Because again, I was basing it on the previous experience I just talked about with the book. You know, it's like, all right. And this was thousands of dollars. And I was like, I'm about to drop this. Is it the right move? And, you know, they were trying to say, well, do you really need them to help you? And I ended up working with this person. It was a great investment because it helped me step outside of myself and really see what I needed to do in order to make my like innate skills something I could give to other people and help other people use and also be able to say exactly what it is that I do. Um, Because when you do something, yeah, Mm -hmm. because when you do something so easily, so naturally, it's hard to recognize that that's actually not the way it's supposed to be. And that's not quote unquote normal. Um, So it was a huge investment and I'm feeling the returns on both the undergrad and grad loans and all of that. And also the coaching work, I'm feeling it more than just monetarily. I'm feeling it in like who I am as a person is changed forever based on those experiences. And it's kind of taken that leap of faith and saying, all right, I've done the research. I figured out why I want to make these purchases. I understand what I want from them. And I'm going to do the work associated, right? Like mm-hmm. I just didn't like enroll in college and then not go to class right. and, and sign up to work with a coach and then not do the work. So I'm also investing not just money, but also my time, yeah. my desire right. and effort. Yeah. Right. I love that. You know, that, that makes me um, think about this. So I, I didn't have a ton of student loans. I'm the, a very fortunate kid who got a full scholarship to college for undergrad and one of the loans that I took out, one student loan that I took out was for study abroad program, but everything else was covered. And I'm very thankful to uh, Sidney Frank and his family, who are the the people who covered my entire college education. It's it's a scholarship available at, at the a college that I went to. Uh, but at the same time, I hear a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot over and over and over again, people saying they hate their student loans. They they would take them back in a second if they could. It wasn't worth it and all this stuff. And so in in light of all of that, I just love to hear your perspective, which is to flip that on its head and say, Mm -hmm. well, if you hate your student loans, then you must hate everything that they provided for you. They provided access to knowledge, provided access to courses, access to professors, access to deans, access to campus staff and faculty, Mm -hmm. access to events, access to people. People, colleagues, uh, you know, if you had jobs, if you had a job in college campus, your friends, everybody that you yeah. met in college, if you want to erase your student loans, you're going to erase all of that with it. And I and I love that you paired them together like that and said, I can't I can't think mm-hmm. like that. It's why I was afforded those experiences and those people that have changed my life and made me who I am today. So maybe for somebody out there who woke up this morning like I hate my student loans, I hear mm-hmm. you. But there's maybe just one way to think about it a little differently. It might it might make you feel a little bit of gratitude for uh, the experience and the people that you met in college, and know that the student loans were the reason why you were able to do that. So you know, obviously, maybe you're still going to hate them, but at least it will help yes. you think about it a little bit a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. 
that. That's great. Okay, so let's um, jump in and talk a little bit about your background and your upbringing, because I tend to think that, you know, wherever we end up in our career, in our life, whether it's related to money or not, it's I have a theory that it's all rooted in something in our childhood or something in our upbringing. Um, and so are there any, you know, early memories that you have from, you know, your childhood, from, your, from growing up that were um, specifically maybe money lessons that you learned or, uh, you know, maybe even less life lessons that really stuck with you and you think might be connected or could be connected to where you are right now in your life. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think, you know, if you believe in psychology, well, not believe, how you're not going to believe in psychology, but like if you follow psychology, there's like all the attachment styles and everything in the way you were brought up in the beginning of your life kind of sets the foundation of where you are as an adult. And you can either continue to follow those lessons or you can begin the process of unlearning a lot of things. So for me, um, my family was very big on education. Like my mom has been a teacher for as long as I can remember. My dad used to work in the school systems as first a custodian staff member. And then also um, as like a parent liaison for when uh, kids weren't going to school. So like for me, it was never a question of, am I going to college? It was always a question of, all right, like, where are you going to college? And then how will we pay for it? So some of the immediate lessons that I've learned growing up is that, you know, education is going to open doors for you. So for me, I took that and I said, well, by any means necessary, if I want doors open, then I'm going to go to college. Yeah. I can't pay out of pocket, so I need to get these loans. It, it was never an option to not do that. So loans, scholarships, grants, et cetera. Um, and the way that kind of plays into my life right now is, you know, I still believe in education. I still believe in teaching people. I still believe in learning about people. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of what I'm carrying forward. Then for the unlearning part, it's unlearning kind of the relationship with money that I saw growing up where mm -hmm. it was always trying to get enough right? Having jobs, having multiple jobs in order to make ends meet and feeling as though you need to work hard in order to get things in life. You need to yeah. work hard in order to prove that you deserve things in life. And, you know, coming up in an immigrant household, my parents are both from Jamaica. They came here to start a life for us, yeah. feeling that sense of gratitude for what they've done and also feeling a sense of you know, being in debt to the sacrifices they made and the belief they have for what is possible in the United States. And a lot of those things are coming true, right? Like I'm able to be the person I am because of that, but it's also unlearning the need to hustle hard and struggle in order to be okay. Yes. Oh my God. Needing goodness. to unlearn having multiple jobs in order to do fun things as a college student, in order to buy books as a college student. So, you know, definitely seeing that in my household and seeing kind of the pain that came with not feeling as though you were doing the best you could because you don't have the money or the things to reflect that right. as you think is, quote unquote, the American way and the American dream. So right. a lot of caring forward, but also unlearning of things. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I hear this phrase a lot, uh, which is work smarter, not harder. And mm -hmm. that, like, when I first heard that, I was, I was kind of a little bit mad. I was a little uncomfortable with it. Like, excuse me? I was mm -hmm. taught to work hard. Like, I was mm -hmm. taught work ethic, like physical labor, working your butt off, waking up early, cleaning the house, going out, work, work, work. Like, physical work was 
something to be proud of. Like Mm -hmm. if you come home sweating and dirty from, you know, construction work or from, you know, whatever manual labor that you're doing, that is a sign of a working person who has like strong work ethic and like is, you know, should, should have pride in that. And I think that rooted in a lot of like, I also, my parents are from Dominican Republic. So similar like Caribbean immigrant mindset, but I think also Caribbean countries and a lot of developing countries around the world, that is the mindset because that's what's associated with money for working class people is work. You got to put in that hard work. And um, what, yeah, once it was like college and a little bit after college and I started hearing work smarter, not harder. I was like, it's sort of like, you know, not necessarily uh, judging or putting in a negative way, but, but sort of like, sort of push brushing to the side that like hard work, like, Oh, we off that. Like, Oh no, you need to Mm -hmm. please doing that anymore you got to be smarter and I was kind of like oh I don't like that because I feel like my parents are very smart but they 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 work really hard and I don't think it's a dichotomy I don't think it's uh you know um this or that I think Mm -hmm. it's it's like it's a combination of both Mm -hmm. because I work really hard I also work smarter now so that I'm not spending all the time doing tedious things like I used to and like blowing up my brain of, you know, of, of working so much and, and, and causing myself mental stress. So I think there's, there's a, a fine balance there, but I like that you said that it's, it's focusing on shifting the way that you live to really thinking about how you can, um, produce, uh, obviously a quality life, create a quality life for yourself, mm-hmm. still produce income, but without having to, to repeat that cycle of constantly working to chase a dollar, uh, but instead mm-hmm. creating a life of abundance, which, um, yeah, which I think a lot of probably like millennials and younger are lucky enough to have that culture of work, you know, smarter, not harder kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And also the option to do that. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I love that you say it's not an either or, it's a both and. And I really, that's the core of a lot of what I do. It's it's getting people away from that thinking you can either have this or you can have that. And really looking at you can have both this and that. And I think now we have more options where there are more ways to work mm-hmm. that allows us to not feel as though we are stretching ourselves to meet a, a kind of benchmark that we can't attain, right? Like I will never be a construction worker. That's just not for me. Like I just don't have the physical capacity, <laughs> but there are other ways yeah. that I can work and contribute. And we now have more language around what contributions can look like. We have new appreciations for how, people can contribute in different ways. Um, So I think we have more opportunities to change what type of work we tap into, which then makes it quote unquote smarter, but it's still hard work. Yep. That's very true. I love that. Uh, Okay, cool. So you talked a little bit about um, your upbringing and how it was a very college focused track in your household. It was, there was no question. Um, So can you talk about that? Like maybe the transition going into college, like being a teenager in a household like that, transitioning to college, and then that transition then from college to career. Like how did you land that first job, for example? So maybe start at the teenage phase, go into like college and how you figured that out and then how it led to your, your career path. Yeah, absolutely. So because education was such a big capital T thing in my household, mm-hmm. I actually went to boarding school for high school. So there's mm-hmm. a program called A Better Chance, and it is a nationwide program where they take um, or give opportunities to students with like really good test scores and all this to go to high school programs in affluent communities, since we all know that affluent communities tend to have better school districts. So it was more of a college prep situation. So it was boarding school situation, did that for four years. And that actually really set me up 
to understand what college life and independence would look like. Mm-hmm. So after that, I went to my undergrad. So like I knew how to do, I knew how to be on my own away from like my right. immediate family. I, I was able to, there was still the culture shock of being, you know, in college because it's a different type of coursework, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the independent side of things and like the motivations were right. different. You had a head start. So, yeah, exactly. So did that. And then after my undergrad, I did a year of like an internship type thing because um, I kind of sort of knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to work in colleges and universities. I just didn't know what specifically it would look like in terms of like what functional area I wanted to work in. Um, I was an orientation leader, student org leader as an undergraduate and like an off chance conversation with one of my like supervisors, let me know that you could work at colleges in like a real job. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll do that. Um, so I did that internship made like $800 a month. It was like bare bones <laughs> and, you know, like was an RA for like an international program. So they had students come from a university in Tokyo, Japan. So I was helping them with, English language or English language acquisition cool. and other things. And then after that, I went to grad school for higher ed administration, um, got my degree and then got into quote unquote, the real world where, mm. yes, <laughs> it, it was, it was good. Right. So, you know, it definitely aligned with what I wanted my professional goals to look like. It was kind of like the check mark of like, all right, if I want to be, at the time, a dean of students or a university president, these are the steps I need to take to get there. This is what everyone else has done. This is kind of the path to follow. So let me start at really the bottom of the ladder in the industry. Um, So I worked in housing residential life. So if, you know, if you're familiar with traditional four-year residential college settings, um, if you've ever had an RA, like a resident advisor, I supervised the RAs, which meant that I was, yeah. So I was I know who you were. You were my Michelle. <laughs> Michelle for me yes. was that person. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So supervising RAs, helping with programming, and then also being on the front lines for whenever things would happen in the buildings with students. So that could be as simple as a maintenance request of like, my sink keeps dripping. And it's like, all right, call the maintenance people all the way up to like heavy, hard situations of like hospital transports, potential, you know, assaults and ideations and all these difficult situations, mental health crises. So as time went on, I started to see that, you know, maybe I kind of don't actually want to do this. It's not really working out the way I imagined. It's taking more from me than I think I have the capacity or interest to give. Mm. But because again, education was a thing. These are the steps. This is a path you follow. I didn't really think I was quote unquote allowed to change my mm. mind. Mm, like, you I had, think you were allowed? Allowed by yes. whom? Allowed by, by whom? Oh. Listen, the million dollar question, right? Because in my mind, I went to grad school for this. Yes. I have these loans. I picked up my entire life and moved to a city on my own for this job. Mm. I told everyone that this is what I was going to do. So I need to see it through to the end. Mm. This is part of the process. These are the sacrifices you make. Again, this is what everyone does if this is the type of role and position industry they want to work in. Right. So, y'all, I wrote my resignation letter in January. I didn't send it. 
I would help like some other people leave the position because, you know, I could tell people to do what to do, give advice. I can't take the advice, right? Mm-hmm. Flash forward to April, we have a little meeting and, you know, I'm notified that they're restructuring our organization. So myself and my colleagues are being laid off and we have 30 days in the position left. Wow. So what that means is I have 30 days to find a new job, find a new place to live because housing is part of my job. Oh my goodness. I have to close down the buildings, close down the university and still do my, my day job. So for me, (laughs) that was definitely a time of like, well, what, what the, what the hey do I do next? Like, what what do I do? I cannot even imagine. Oh my Lord. Just everything was the rug right up under your feet. Yes. And it was really, you know, a moment of, you know, personal kind of struggle and also professional because this was my identity. Like you've been told, you've been telling me in meeting after meeting, conversation after conversation, how great I am, how happy you are that I'm part of the team. But you're now telling me that you don't need me as part of the team that you want to see moving forward. So what does that actually mean? So it took, you know, the thing is though, like, to answer the question of what do I do? I work. I went back in my office as soon as I got no. the notification. Yes, I did. No, uh, after no, the meeting. No. Oh my goodness. Where no. They, you know, announced it. They told one-on-one. I went back to my office and continued, you know, answering emails, oh. having meetings throughout the day because what do I do? I was brought in to do a job. So I'm going to do the job because again, you work hard. You do what you need to do. Wow. I and wonder this is who I, I am. I wonder, was there, do you think you were coping at all? Like, was that like your coping mechanism? Like, oh, I'm just going to go back to work. Yeah. Like, everything's fine. You know, where mind you, know. everything's yeah. burning up around you. But you're like, nope, everything's fine. It's like that meme where it's <laughs> right right a little cartoon in SpongeBob. Like, that's literally yeah. what I'm thinking. And in a lot of ways, it was because. At the time, I have since learned more about myself and what I need to be me. But at the time, my coping mechanism was I give myself about 0.5 seconds. I feel it. And then I keep it moving because there's really no point in sitting here and wallowing and saying like, well, what do I do now? I have no choice but to move forward. That's right. Because they, yeah, they, they made their decision by not making a decision on my own. I gave them permission and all the power in that situation. So I'm going to keep doing what I need to do while I do it, because it's not just about me. It's about the thousands of students that are in my buildings who need someone to help them move out. That's right. They need support right now. Right, right. It's about my staff who need support. And it's also about my colleagues who are also in the same position as I am. So putting them before myself, which again, it's something I have since learned to be better about. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, so it, that position ended in a way that, again, would I relive it? Absolutely not. Wouldn't wish it on anyone. But it needed to happen because I wasn't going to leave on my own. Mm, I was waiting for you to say that. I was waiting for you yeah. to say that the universe made you leave that job. Yes. Again, I wrote the letter in January. Right. 
you were, you had it in your head. You just yes. didn't put it into practice. You didn't make yes. it happen, but you had it in yes. your head. That's right. Yeah. I made a decision to ignore and not trust my gut. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I didn't learn the lesson in the way that I needed to. So I had to start a new chapter Yeah, and had to pivot me to Ooh. be on the path that I'm on now yeah. with the lessons that I was able to gain from that. That's it all worked out the way it needed to. Right. Okay. Well, so let's go from there to here. What did you do right after the job was officially over? Right after it was officially over, I interviewed for new ones. I <laughs> took the time to say, all right, I still... I'm interested in this type of work. I'm still yeah. interested in working in colleges and universities. So what did I like about this previous position? And what did I not like about this previous yeah. position? And let me find a new job that does what I needed to do. Yep. So I found the job that I'm currently in right now. I was very uh, specific with what I wanted out of the position. Like I wanted a job where if it hits five o'clock, I'm done. I Yeah. Yeah. I wanted a job where my where I could trust my supervisors and their supervisors to do as right by me as they could. Yeah. Um, I wanted a job where I'm still being challenged and able to have conversations with people and difficult conversations and help them navigate this period of their life while also not feeling as though I'm expected to chip away at myself in order to make things work. So. It's great. It was definitely something where I had to be honest with myself, like in terms of what I had to do next. Right. I had to be honest with myself and say, all right, how did this happen? How did I let this happen? Because at the end of the day, they're always, they being like your organization, your supervisor, they're going to look out for their best interests. So you need to look out for yours. And it's not saying that they have to be, you know, on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yep. But you can't put yourself completely out of the picture. That's right. Yeah. Because then you're just you're just you're there. Not, and you're not serving point? yourself at all. Like you have yeah. to do a little bit of self-service. Yeah. Even even just a little bit. I mean, I argue, I would argue that you need to do a lot of self-service, but even just a little bit is important. And if yes. you're not if you're not considering yourself at all, like you're just setting yourself up to uh to please everybody else and not to think about how to please yourself in life. And that is yes. dangerous. Yes. Yeah, so it's exactly. it was really sitting down and being honest, leaning on my support systems of like, all right, y'all, here's what's happening. Mm-hmm. This is where I am currently. What do you know of reaching out to mentors, former supervisors, being like, hey, first, is this normal? Like, do schools usually do this? Like, is this- right, did they just play me? Did I just get played yes. or what, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. So getting those outside perspectives from pe- from folks who know me and also mm-hmm. know the industry. Or know enough about the situation and issue so they can give that feedback. Right. Um, and just speaking up, yeah. just talking about it and now like sharing this story with other people, because while I hope that this is not verbatim someone else's story, yeah. I know that someone in some shape or form is experiencing something similar, whether it be professionally, personally, especially now with the oh. current climate of things. I was just being laid yep. off. Yep left and right. Yeah. And it sucks and it is so scary. But then what comes next? Yeah. Yeah. You got to find right. some uh sh- sh- a little strike of, of positivity somewhere inside you even after mm-hmm. you're feeling like everything's over and everything came tumbling down. It's so important to find 
even a tiny little piece of positivity. Mm -hmm. And I think focusing on what's next sometimes can provide that, even though sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels overwhelming at first. Um, But it sounds like you sort of knew inside like what you were supposed to be doing because you mentioned that you were the one who was counseling other people to get out of the job. You were helping them get the job they wanted and get and make their exit. And yet you were just stuck there. So is that what made you decide to offer your help to others in a public way by being a, a clarity coach and to officially make this a thing? Absolutely. I think that experience taught me that if you're not making decisions about your life, first of all, that in in and of itself is a decision, right? Mm. Deciding not to decide is making a decision to give power to somebody else. That's right. And that personal experience taught me that life is too short, right? Mm. Like I already knew that. And I think seeing how quickly things can change and how there's always moves being made with or without you. And we only get one shot at this thing. So why not do it the way you want to do it? Right. Why not do it to the best of your ability? Why not trust yourself? So I had been, you know, helping friends and family like unofficially, like I'm the person people come to for advice and all of that. Um, And within my work in higher education, I help my students in this way. Yeah. But I wanted to expand it to folks who wouldn't otherwise not know me, right? I didn't want to just keep this ability and these mm-hmm. these lessons to just my friends and immediate circle. I wanted to expand it to as many people as possible yeah. because there's too many people right now trying to figure out what they need to do when they already know. They're mm-hmm. just scared of making the decision or they're scared of the possibilities of what, what of what might come next. I love that. Yeah. It's either a fear or, uh, you know, like I, I think it's always rooted in fear, I think, but the fear mm-hmm. could come from a lot of different reasons. Um, yes. so yeah, no, I definitely feel you on that. I mean, there were, there was a period of time in my life where I was literally sitting on this idea to start creating content to help people with their credit and with their money and with savings and with investing. And I just thought about it and I said, but, and, and all the people in my family, my friends would come ask me money about my credit cards, about getting out of debt, about all the things I knew. And yet I kind of knew like, oh, this is valuable. People want to hear me talk about this. People come to me for guidance on this. What was stopping me from putting it online? Fear, fear of being judged, fear of people not liking the videos, commenting, nasty comments. I mean, you mm-hmm. whatever the worst possible fear is, it's in there and it's just floating around in your brain and it's really preventing you from making that move. And, and so I say, you know what, man, if all that, I'm just going to I'm just going to do it. what's the worst thing that can happen. Somebody posts a horrible comment or people hate it. I could just delete it. Big deal. Like, yes. I mean, just just doing it was the hardest part. And once I started posting, I was like, oh, that's it. I'm, it's getting easier and easier every time you do do it again. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, that repetition is key. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I have, I have the chance to, uh, to, you know, ask you a life coach question, a clarity coach question, cause you're on here. And I, so I can't pass it up. Um, I get questions from so many people, DMS, emails, Instagram, Twitter, everything. And so I pulled one up that I had gotten a few um, months ago and I responded to her, but I think that your response will probably be so much better. So I'm just going to pull up this um, email that I got. This is from Yasmin. And mm-hmm. she says, hi, miss be helpful. I'm feeling really uncertain about the direction I should take in my life. Uh, I've taken so many online courses and I'm still not making the amount of money that I feel I want to make. I'm stuck and I feel like it's starting to affect other areas of my life. I did a mentorship program, didn't end up finishing it because of all the reasons that I 
because of all the reasons that I have in my mind stopping me from completing it. I'm thinking about getting a life coach because my mother mentioned this might be an option. I've never thought about it before and was wondering if you've ever had a life coach and do you think this is something that I should consider? So I wrote back to her already and, you know, I can talk about what I said later, but I really think this is important for, um, for you to hear because you already see kind of what she's saying, right? She's like, I'm uncertain. I'm, I'm, I'm lacking direction. She said that she wants to generate more income and she's taking online courses. So she's doing things and somehow mm-hmm. she still feels like she's just stranded. So mm-hmm. um, what, what advice would you, would you give Yasmin? Yeah. So I think the main question here that Yasmin is asking is, what comes next, right? What else could I possibly be doing? And the question of, you know, should I work with a a life coach? Should I hire someone else? Should I take another online course? The purpose of, you know, me as a coach, and I think any good coach is to reflect back who you are so you can see yourself in a different light. Mm -hmm. When we are so like when we're stuck in ourselves. We can't really see who we are. Mm. It's like, I have no idea what I actually sound like until I listen back to this recording or I listen back to a voicemail that I sent right. and I cringe a little bit. Cause it's like, yo, that's what my voice sounds like. <laughs> yes. That's what your voice sounds like. Yeah. Right? yeah. But because you aren't able to hear yourself as other people do and other people see you for, it's difficult to recognize what you might not be doing correctly. So it might be that Yasmin is taking the wrong types of courses. Maybe mm-hmm. it's that she's not actually doing the work that's required mm-hmm. because she's operating as she always has been. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, asking for a life coach or hiring a life coach is really getting a third party perspective from someone who really has no skin in the game. Like mm-hmm. your friends and your family, they're going to tell you what they're going to tell you because they care about you. They're used to seeing you in this way. So they really don't have the imagination or the the bandwidth to see other possibilities. Um, If you're looking at your own self, you're only limited by what you currently know. And again, you're not able to imagine what's possible, but having someone else come in, you know, gives you that blank slate where you're able to say what you need to say without having any preconceived notion attached to it, without having any judgment. And this isn't to say that your friends or your family are like trying to hold you back, but they may not be able to get you to the next level because they've seen you for where you currently are. And they may also have, you know, a stake in keeping you where you are. That's so true. That can be very real for a lot of people is being held back. Even if they see their, they see grand potential in themselves and they see all these things for themselves. And sometimes other people just don't see it for them. And they, they might be be the reason why you're, you're, you're pulling yourself back or they might actually be the ones pulling you back. That's very true. Right. Or projecting their own limitations on you. Right. Right. Because, because they can't see it for themselves. Mm -hmm. They can't see it for anyone else. So When it comes to figure out next steps, I would say think about what your current blind spots might be and the best way to fill them. You don't need another online course. Finish the online courses that you've already done. Mm. And like when I say finish them, I mean, actually sit down, watch it and do the work. That's right. So online courses are not good. I will say that it is true. Every but online course is not going to be amazing. That's right. Some are great. Yes. Some are not. It's like with everything. Yes. There's a market for this stuff. And some of, the, some of the stuff out there is amazing. Some of the stuff out there is not worth a penny, not worth your money. Yes. Yeah. But even for the ones that are crappy, you can still learn what made it crappy so you know what to look for in a good one. Right. So go back and redo them. Yeah. Start there. 
and then kind of see, all right, I did this. I still don't understand this. And then do more research, talk to folks, find people who are where you want to be and see if, you know, they have given hints as to how they got there. Success always leaves hints behind, right? Listen to podcasts they've done, watch their work. If they're on YouTube, watch their videos, see not just what they're doing, but how they're doing it. What do they embody? Mm -hmm. What type of person do you need to be in order to live the life that you're saying you want to live? So I think that's really, you know, taking hints about what you currently have around you and then also tapping in someone who can, who doesn't know you so they can help you see who you really are. Yeah, I love that. It's so funny because my response to her included exactly that piece. It said, I don't personally, I don't think you need to buy another online course. I'm just yes. saying. And, yeah. and, and and the other big piece that I mentioned to her, um, a lot of what you said, which is like, I was telling her, you need to find the root of this. Like, where do you think it's rooted in? Is it unhappiness with what you're doing at work? Is it unhappiness with your you know family, financial situation, relationship with your partner? What What is the root of it? And start there. Um, but, but my big piece to her was also, you need accountability. If you keep on giving up, you quit the mentoring group, your online courses aren't really giving you the results you want. I feel like there's something here that is the accountability piece. And Mm -hmm. if you don't want to jump to the life coach one day to the next, like maybe your mom doesn't really know. I mean, the fact that her mother was the one that recommended it made me think like, Oh, maybe this is something. I mean, for your mom to say to you, maybe you want to think about a life coach, baby. Like you keep saying this, this and that. And it sounds to me like you need some help and support to make your decision. Um, that, that made me think like maybe it it is a good next step. But I, I said to her, like, if you don't want to jump from from like, you know, zero to a hundred, like going from not talking to anybody to to having a life coach, maybe, it's a accountability group that could be the next step. And then mm-hmm. if the accountability group isn't working or if you do like it and you want more accountability than a group accountability, maybe it's one-on-one setting, then you know that the next step is, is right for you, which is that life coach step. But, um, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people, they, they skip to a place where they try to tackle everything by themselves. And it's like, yes. that's really hard to do. Accountability matters. Uh, it, it matters in a lot of different settings in a lot of different ways and, and a lot of different, um, you know, uh, fashion facets of your life. But I think it's really important that people lean on accountability in group settings so that you could, could channel that positivity because it's just like peer pressure. Peer pressure could be really negative or mm-hmm. it could be really positive peer pressure. So you kind of have to create positive peer pressure for yourself to pressure yourself in that setting to do what you say you want to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, hopefully between Diana's advice and my advice, Yasmin will find something that uh, speaks to her and that, you know, bite-sized next step that she can take. Um, this conversation was so, so, so helpful. I feel like just talking to you, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm calm, you know? Like, I was like, yes, like the, the way you, your voice is soothing and the, the wisdom that you're sharing. I can tell that you've, whatever you've experienced got you to a point now where you are really at peace with who you are and proud of the work that you're doing. Um, and it seems to me like you're doing exactly what you're meant to be doing, Diana. So Thank I think you. you should just keep going, girl. Keep doing you. Um, so to, to wrap up the podcast, I like to end with this fun question, which is, um, you know, obviously for you to be able to have a side hustle like this, and eventually, obviously you're going to make it your full thing. I can tell. Um, but in order to do that, like you got to know a thing or two about saving some money. And, uh, and so I know that like 
there's some money uh, mindset in you that you might be able to impart on other people. So what I'm doing is I'm taking um, in Photoshop, I'm taking off George Washington's face off the dollar bill. Sorry, George Washington. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put right. your face on it. That's right, girl. <laughs> it's about time for a new face anyway. Um, so I'm going to put your face on it and then put um, your money message or money model above above your face. So for mm-hmm. everybody who touches money, uses money, sees money, um, what is it that you want them to know? The, the money message or the money uh, model that you would share with them? Yeah. The motto I would share is this is a tool. Use it wisely Mm. because I think money gets a bad rep sometimes. Yeah, it sure can. Money is the root of all evil. If, you know, people have a lot of money, they must have been a horrible person. Get it. If you don't have money, you must be a horrible person not to have it. And money is just another tool for us to live the life we want. Money can buy happiness. When you are full, you are happy. When you have a roof over your head, you are happy. You may not be happy 24-7, but y'all been hangry before. I know I get very hangry when I don't eat. So I can promise you if you slap a cheeseburger in front of me for a couple of minutes, I'll be happy. So I think, you know, reminding people that money is just a tool to create whatever experience and whatever life we want. The use it wisely comes in because, yes... There are some not very good people who have access to money, which enables them to do things that are not very good for the people around them. There are also some very great people who, if they had more money, had more tools at their disposal, they would be able to do more things. So I think having people keep that in mind, that money only does what you tell it to do. Mm. So make sure that you're telling it to do the right thing. For not only your benefit, but the benefit of the collective order would be something that everyone should see when they start writing these checks and making these transfers and opening up their wallets. I I love that a lot because I don't know, for me, when I was growing up and even even as an adult, my early 20s, I I didn't understand that money was a tool. Like I just thought like money is the end all be all. And Mm -hmm. that's so sad because I always was like, you know, thinking that that the goal was money. The goal was get more money, get money. And now I just have such a different relationship with money because I realize money is just a tool. Money is not the end all be all. Money, mm-hmm. like if you're trying to, if you're trying to, you know, build something from scratch, you're trying to build a chair, build a, you know, something in your house, right? An IKEA set or whatever. Without the tools that come with that, you're not going to be able to build that. But the tool itself is not the chair or the couch or the thing that you're trying to build. It's just the tool that will help you to build that. And so for me, it's like I'm trying to build this life that I want. Money is just a tool that's going to allow me to get to that life faster um, and Mm -hmm. to have things a little easier along the way if if the more money you have. But it is not the thing that you're trying to build. It's not a big pile of money. I mean, for some people it is. And I think that's a whole separate conversation, but I think mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing when you get to a point where it's not, and that's where you really start to live a more fulfilling life, I think. Absolutely. And it's not a matter of, you don't operate from a place of desperation. Yes. You just operate from a place of ease and you just know that, you know what, it will unfold the way it needs to. That's right. Maybe you want it to hurry up. Of course. Of course. But there's an inner knowing and an inner trust that you can fall back on even in the worst moments where it's like, you know what, it will happen as it needs to, because even if I don't have this particular tool right now, I have other tools that I can lean on until this one falls into place. 
Love that. That's right. Use all the tools at your disposal, not just money. That is mm-hmm. so true. Um, absolutely love that. All right, girl. Well, this was such a fun call. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm feeling like I just did yoga. Like I'm so calm. I feel like your presence. Yeah. Just like, cause I'm always so hyperactive. I got all this energy, but I just love it. This, this was such a calming conversation and brought so much peace to me. And so thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. And thanks for listening, everyone. Of course. So everybody out there, if you want to find Diana online, you want to reach out to her, let her know that she inspired you with her story and with her words of calm and wisdom today. Um, Diana, just let them know where they can find you online. Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Diana R.A. Morris. And my website is dianaramorris.com. Awesome. You heard it from her. So reach out to her, guys. If she inspired you, if her story was moving, let her know. I always appreciate when I get messages letting me know that I inspire people. So I'm sure Diana feels the same way. Yes. Please do let me know. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. Bye, y'all. 